0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Hey, this is Pastor Andrew Romine, and today we are featuring a guest message from my friend Akil Thompson, who pastors the Pentecostals of Mississauga in Ontario, Canada. This sermon was preached here at CTK at the annual Illinois Section 4 Youth Week. Thank you for listening to the CTK podcast. Here is Pastor Akil Thompson. Relationships are critical. You know what's interesting? Paul said this brother Reed, in the in Galatians 3. What's fascinating is uh go, the whole book of Galatians, he's trying to get people to understand that you are free. You're free and you're not to be you don't subject yourself or submit yourself back to the work of the law. And he's walking through this. He's so angry, he's just like, How could you, how could you do this? And he's 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 like, look, I don't understand it because I was away in Arabia for three years. And I got this from Jesus Christ, this revelation. I know he's like, man or flesh did not give it to me. He said, so I'm cursing everything and anybody that is telling you something different. And then in Galatians chapter 3, he gets right to the heart of it. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Who? Who has influenced you? Who has persuaded you? Who has gotten in your mind and twisted you all up doctrinally where you don't know what you believe anymore? You have to be incredibly careful who you hang out with. Your relationships determine your destiny. I know you think they're cute right now, but they ain't worth heaven. I know you think they're cool right now, but I'm telling you, they're wearing you down. If you are going to make it in this world and give Jesus Christ everything that you have, you have got to make mature decisions, spiritually intelligent decisions. And you have to be willing to look in your relational ecosystem and say, you know what? I got to make some changes. I got to make some changes. I got to be careful who's in my life, who's in my world, who's speaking to me. Who inspires me? Who encourages me? Who supports me? Who do I hang out with when I'm feeling all alone? Who do I look to? Who are my role models? Who do I submit myself to? You have to understand your faith behaves. And your faith behaves in the context of relationships. And so therefore, who are you hanging with? And let me just put it to you like this. Brother Reed will probably confirm this. I have a hard time believing that A students hang out with F students. I have a hard time believing that the praisers hang out with the people who sit on their hand. I have a tough time believing that the people that pray, the people that know how to get a hold of God, hang out with the people who only play patty cake for Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you is your relationships determine your destiny. And you have to be intentional about your relationships. The reason why we have lost our intentionality is because we don't have purpose. We just wander in life, Bishop. We don't know how we're going to get there, when we're going to get there, where we're going to get there. Can I tell you, it's unfortunate because we don't understand the power of purpose. This is why the 90th Psalm, the Psalm of Moses, he was like, teach us to number our days. that I might have a heart of wisdom. What he was saying is, I understand that the number of days that God has given me are directly connected to my purpose. I don't want to run out of time before I run out of purpose. Some of you are wasting time with the wrong people because you don't understand your purpose. But if you understood your purpose, you wouldn't be rolling with that crew. Can I keep it real? If you understood your purpose, you wouldn't be worried about the church across town. If you understood your purpose, you wouldn't be worried about what somebody else is doing. You'd be too busy saying, I understand what I'm called to do, and I'm going to do that for Jesus Christ. I understand my purpose. Purpose is powerful, and when you understand purpose, it changes everything. Purpose changes the way you think, and it changes the way you you live. It changes the way you breathe. It changes the way you operate. None of us are going to roll in and be like, like, oh, wow, I'm shocked. None of us are going to be surprised when we make it to heaven. You're not going to start in and be like, Jesus. Well, I tell you, Lord. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. But, boy, I'm glad, Jesus, you helped me out. It's not how it's going to go. You already know right now if you right with God. You already know. You already know. You are Why? Because you're living on purpose. So I'm going to challenge you tonight. I feel like two things are going to happen tonight. I feel like one. I feel like the Lord told me, Keel, the reason why I had you preach on altars last night is to to settle some things. But what I'm going to do now is to, not me, but the Holy Ghost is going to teach you how to live in the relational ecosystem that he has ordained for you. And when you understand that, you're not going to go back and pick up some things that you left at the altar last night. Now, I'm in the Holy Ghost for some of you right now. I'm telling you right now, you mark it down. If you don't make the changes that God is beckoning you to make tonight, you will find yourself going back down into Egypt, picking up some things that are going to weigh you down. But if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost, praise God. And you'll do what he says to do. Then I'm telling you, some of you are going to walk out victorious in power, confident, seeing God do extraordinary things in your life. If you want that, clap your hands into the Lord. Come on, let them know, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And I'll, I'll get rid of who I need to get rid of. And I'll add who you want to add in my life. I'm willing to pay that price. When I'm talking about being intentional relationships, I want in particular to, I want to look at the life of Paul. And I talked about how I enjoy character studies. Uh, and I mentioned him briefly in uh, Galatians as he's writing to this church. He also, when he's writing uh, the book of Romans, it's interesting because at the conclusion, I love this, if you read the 16th chapter, I want to encourage you to do so. We're going to talk about Acts 9 and we'll get into some other things. But I want you to look at the 16th chapter in Romans because he gives you a laundry list of everybody that he has just been greatly impacted by. He's like, hey, Phoebe, whatever she needs, give it to her. And and Priscilla, and he's going down this list. He even tells people, he's like, this woman was like a mother to me. I mean, he he, he it's phenomenal how he was uh, so impacted by these people. And the wonderful thing about ministry and the wonderful thing about relationships and the wonderful thing about this walk with Jesus Christ is we are not designed to do it alone. We need one another. We need one another. We need one another. We can't do this alone. And you're going to find, you're going to find, let me just say this. The moments when you feel alone and are isolated, let's be real about it. I get really uncomfortable with people who are perfect. So if you're perfect, I get like, if you've got the perfect kids and the perfect house and the perfect little dog and the perfect white little picket fence and the perfect job, then this is probably not going to help. But I need to talk to some real people tonight. You have to, we're going to look at, at these relationships and what's going to happen is there are going to be times when you feel alone and when you are alone and isolated, that is when you are your most vulnerable. That's when the enemy is coming after you. And this is when you're going to need people in your life like never before. Amen? Okay, so we're going to talk about it. I want you to think about these relationships. And here's what I want you to do. I typically talk about ten people. I'm going to talk about five people tonight that you need in your life. And one of those, uh, before I even get to it, I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to encourage you to, one, take notes. And the second is, as we talk about these things, I want you to... Say, okay, God, you know what? How can I be this person to somebody else? Now, let me get back to the other thing I feel like the Holy Ghost is going to do tonight. I feel like healing is going to happen emotionally. The Lord has already told me that he's going to use people to minister one to another tonight. He's going to use you. You need to understand you're anointed, and we need one another. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So God is going to use you tonight, and I want you to be very sensitive. And I'm talking to the 10-year-old, and I'm talking to the 55-year-old. I'm talking to everybody under the sound of my voice. God is going to use you tonight in this regard. And so we have to be very sensitive to what the Lord wants to do. Can somebody say amen? amen. Okay, praise God. Now, let's go ahead. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 9. I want you to look at verse 10. And uh, as you're doing that, you, you can be seated because I want to be reading all types of passages tonight. Uh, one of the things that I think is important, and in particular if you're a high school student, when I was in high school, do they still do yearbooks? Okay. All right. In my yearbook, you know, when people were writing, they were like, you're going to be my best friend forever. I don't know where that person is right now. Forever was like maybe two weeks. Not really. Maybe a couple of years, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. Can I just tell you, people are going to come and people are going to go in your life. And I know right now I'm just trying to give you perspective. You just need to live it out because some of you all are probably wondering like, (laughs) I don't want to tell Susie bye-bye. You don't got to do all that. Just say, God, now hear me. Just say, God, I want you to put the people that I need in my life. And I want you to remove the people I don't need in my life. And you don't have to say anything to Susie. God will just take care of it. You don't have to say anything to Johnny. Next thing you know, you'll be like, where's Johnny at? The Lord, like, well, you told me. I want you. Lord, and the Lord will just take care of it. Amen? So, okay. All right. Here we go. Let's look at this. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, let me just say this. I'm not going to uh, read this, but what I want you to understand, if you will look at Acts 7 and 8, you just make some notes here. Two things I want you to know. That when they were stoning Stephen, the first martyr, everybody remember him, right? who's, when they laid his clothes, they laid his clothes at the feet of who? Saul. Okay, great. So Saul is witnessing this and Saul is gaining a, uh, influence in this circle that he's rolling with. He was so frustrated with Gamaliel because you might remember one time there was an angelic visitation that released the disciples and he's just like, how can you let them go? And they just kind of slapped the disciples around a little bit and told him don't preach in the name of Jesus any longer. But Paul, or excuse me, Saul at this time, was he hated the way, or people that walked in the way in particular. So much so, I don't know anybody that walks 150 miles north to Damascus, breathing murder. The man was literally a modern-day terrorist. ISIS. You claim to be in the way, he was going to snatch you and snuff you out. Period. Passionate about it. This is why he tells his story over and over and over again. Because he's just like, God, I I can't get my mind around how you have recreated me. And how I was. Remember, later, Barnabas had to, you got to understand this. Saul's reputation was so intimidating. That when Barnabas took him to the disciples, like the Jerusalem council, James and all of them, they were afraid of him. That's what the scripture says. And he had to defend them. Defend him. Saying, no, 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 no. I've seen how God has used him. I've heard him preach. And I've seen how God has used him in Damascus. Well, imagine this. This man. This man. The one that Ananias is told by the Lord to go pray with. Ananias is probably thinking, Saul is probably sick sick. Ripped, intimidating, this domineering, I will step on you and not even think about it, like King Kong type stuff. And this man walks in the house and probably sees Saul cowering in a corner, bent over, blind, dependent upon those who led him to that destination. A total opposite than what he expected. Because remember, he told the Lord, he was like, Lord, don't you know who this man is? This is the man that's taking everybody to the high priest and locking them up and throwing them away and separating families, killing people. And the Lord's like, yeah, I know all that. Just go. He's going to suffer many great things for my name's sake. And so he has this interaction. And what's fascinating about this is. The very first thing that this man, Ananias, says to Saul when he puts his hands on his shoulder is brother. Not I hate you. Not how could you do that to families. The very first thing he said was brother. Can I tell you, we are not in a position to erect any walls when God is moving in somebody's life. The very first person you need in your life is somebody that will lift you up. That's the first person. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that will flatter you. I'm not talking about somebody that will pump you up. I'm talking about somebody that will remove the spiritual blindness from your eyes. This is exactly what happened to Paul or Saul at the time. When Ananias laid hands on him, boom, he receives the spirit and he also receives his sight. In other words, you need people that can tell you about yourself. I'm not talking about people. Let me just set the record straight right now. Correction should never destroy people. Correction, if it's a biblical correction, should always restore people. But you need people to tell you about yourself because we all have blind spots. And the reality of it is there's this thing called the pride of life. That gets in the way. We all think we're better than we are. And we certainly think we're better than a whole lot of other people. You need somebody that will tell you about yourself. You need somebody that can, can tell you, uh, you're missing this, or you should consider that. You need people in your life that will help you do that. You need people that will pick you up from where you are and challenge you to move to a higher place where you need to be. You need friends that can remove the scales from your eyes. You need people that will lift you up, not pull you down. And can I just say this? These kinds of people that are going to lift you up are usually not the ones that are talking about people. If you are hanging out with people that are talking about other people, then can I tell you, you need to get away from those people quick and in a hurry. Thank you for the amens. I appreciate it. The people that you spend time with that damage people, deface people, deform people, degrade, demean, demoralize, disfigure, harm, hurt, impair, infect, ravage, reduce, ruin, violate, and pull down are bad company. And you need to get out of those relationships right now. Let me just say this, too. I just feel prompted to say it, so I'm going to say it. If you are involved in a romantic relationship, that's another topic for another time. But it has isolated you from everybody else, you better get out of that relationship, too. If you are no longer talking to your pastor or your youth pastor or your mom and dad don't know what's going on, your friends don't know what's going on in your life, your siblings don't know what's going on in your life, and the only thing you can do is worry about your bay or your boo, you better let go of your bay and your boo. That's a massive red flag that you better be very careful of. You got to be careful, and you need people that will tell you this. Can somebody say Amen. We need people that will lift us up. We need to be very careful about this. You need people that are going to add value to your life. Now, think about this for a moment. I know Ananias just slips in the scripture, bishop, and then he kind of sli- uh, slips out. But where would Saul be if it weren't for Ananias? Wow, think about this for a moment. He would have remained blind. Think about this. Where would the man be if it weren't for an Ananias who was willing to to, to just get rid of the, uh, uh, the preconceived prejudices, if you will, and minister to somebody? The man would not be who he was if it weren't for an Ananias to throw everything aside and say, I'm going to love you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to help you get to where God wants you to be. And you need somebody that's a lifter, not a lid in your life. the Holy Ghost. You need somebody that's a lifter in your life and not a lid. Some of you wondering why you're not going where you need to be because you got too many lids in your life. You need to, once you change your relational ecosystem, you're going to begin to blossom. This is why you, you know why we produce oranges in Florida? Climate. Do they produce oranges here? I didn't think so. You know why? Climate. I'm telling you right now, you want to be a prayer warrior? You better get yourself up underneath some prayer warriors. You better get yourself up underneath a church mama that knows how to pray, that knows how to get a hold of God. You want? I'm telling you, you know what? You want to learn how to teach Bible studies? You better get yourself up under somebody who don't nobody know about. I mean, and they, they just out on the streets reaching people and teaching home Bible studies, loving people. That's where you're going to learn. Let me give you an example. Somebody that, it it transcended all types of stuff. I met a Mississippi Southern belle. She was a part of our church in Richmond, Virginia. She was 75. I was 18. We had literally nothing in common. But boy, she could cook. Praise God. Boo. My girl, boo. You know what? Boo would just, baby, come on over. And no matter how much food I ate, she'd be like, baby, you're too skinny. Baby, take some more of these mashed potatoes and take some more of this macaroni and cheese and that. That roast, boy, she had a roast recipe, my God, praise the Lord, it was so good. And you know what, boo, we'd sit down and we'd eat, and she'd just tell me about the old days, and how it was happening in Pentecost, and that's why everybody thought I was in church a lot longer than I was, because I hung out with those old school saints that just loved the word of God, loved prayer, and didn't have to deal with all that entertainment, and didn't have to deal with that stuff. So I just, she'd be like, baby, just tell your pastor, preach the word to you straight, do whatever your pastor asks you to do, love the man of God, serve God, love God, and love people. And I would get all this, and I would just soak it up. And you know what? We'd sit down after we eat, and she'd be in one chair and I'd be in the other, she'd just pat my hand. She'd be like, did you enjoy your dinner, baby? I was like, oh, it was good. And then you know what? She was like, let me just she said, I was reading this in the quarterly. Let me, yeah, y'all don't even know what a quarterly is. Praise God. She said, Let me tell you about this quarterly. And she said, This was so rich. She would always say this. She was like, and she'd mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's what she would do after she would say something. And you know, she would ask the question, but she would answer it herself. Like, that was real rich, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was gonna tell you, but you know, you since you answered for yourself, but she you know, we just be sitting there, and then you know what? After we'd eat, she'd just be like, And my girl, Boo, would just, she'd wake right back up like, you know, 20 minutes later and just right right, right in step, wouldn't miss a beat. Uh, she taught me how to pray. You know what? And prayer is not something difficult. You know, sometimes I think we envision that, you know, but there are times for intense spiritual warfare-like prayer. But you don't have to walk around the house stomping like you got rabies every day. I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, sometimes you can just sit down, praise God. I mean, I'm not trying to front. I just get up and I'm like, good morning, Lord. Good day. What are we doing today, Jesus? You know, and I just listen. You know, listening is a part of communication. So I I just talk to the Lord, and we just do this. She just lay back in the Lazy Boy, and it was never anything fancy. You know what? Sometimes we cry because the presence of the Lord is, I learned how to talk with God. You need people in your life that are going to lift you up. And can I tell you, let me tell you why this is so important. Okay, all right. Yeah, my man, praise God. Front row dude. Tell me your name, bro. DeMonte. DeMonte, you got to say like Now you just can't be like DeMonte. I mean, when you got a name like DeMonte, you need to be like DeMonte. Bro. <laughs> come here, D. Come here. Come here. Come here. Give it up for DeMonte. Praise God. <laughs> Let me get you. Stand up there for me. Right here. Praise God. Don't look at my notes. You might do something with them. Praise God. I don't think I'm playing. Praise the Lord. Let <laughs> you just see the young cats I might take him a little photo and preach my stuff, praise the Lord. No, let me go ahead and lift somebody up. All right. So, let me get to my notes. I'm just, here's why you got to be careful, because you know what? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Okay, you have to understand that friendships can add to or subtract from the nature of your character. Okay, so listen to this. Listen to what Peter said, 2 Peter three seventeen. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of a lawless man and fall from your secure position. Okay, now, DeMonte looks like a big dude. That's why I needed him up there, right? So, you know what? Here's the thing. I want you to think about this for a moment because he, give me, give me, give me. All right, fellas, you three right here. Come on, come on. I mean, now these guys are nowhere near the size of DeMonte. <laughs> I ain't fronting on y'all. I'm just saying. I mean, praise I like those specs too. I wish I could rock something like that. Praise the Lord. So, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to take y'all three and I just want y'all to stand just, just kind of stand and face DeMonte for a moment. So here's what I want you to understand. What we think is DeMonte like, yeah, that's my light work. I can handle that. <laughs> don't, don't sleep on my boys. Don't sleep on my boys, D. What we often think is, and this is why you have to be careful. We think, oh, I'm going to reach everybody. And you, we, I believe by the grace of God, we can influence many. But oftentimes, it's in a one-on-one interaction. Let me put it to you this way. In other words, if Demonte's in his secure position, He can't hang out with lawless people. If every, all of your friends aren't living for Jesus, you better make some changes. If most of your friends are unchurched, you better do some inventory and make some changes. If most of your friends are out wilding out, listening to crazy music and watching crazy movies, you better make some changes. Okay, so these guys right here—they just wilding out. Can't you see it, boy? Just lawlessness. It looked like a bunch of lawlessness. No, not really. Praise God, they got that front row spirit. I appreciate it. So here's the thing: if Demonte is trying to reach these three guys and wants to pull them up. It's gonna be more difficult for him to pull them up than for him to pull them. For him, for them to pull him down. Make sense? Now I know y'all sleeping on my boys, but the reality of it is, so De- DeMonte, I want you to just just grab dude right here. Just just grab him. Just now don't 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 snatch him up. I mean, you know, I mean I'm a, I mean my man might end up way up there. Praise God. I mean that boy, he was like this. I'm just kidding. So and then, dude, all right, you know what? I want you to just coming. Just you know, no, you good? Don't worry. About me. I mean, praise God. I want y'all to try to pull my man DeMonte down, and I want you to try to pull them up. You got it? Go for it. Oh Lord. Uh oh, don't break nothing. What happened? Don't break nothing. Oh Lord, my boy. Like, oh, oh man, I got to take my man to the clothing store. Praise God. Dang, we, we just tearing all kind of stuff up. My point is, you could see right now how difficult it was, and we know what was going to happen. What was going to happen? DeMonte was going to end up getting snatched down. Eventually, he was not going to win. Give it up for DeMonte. Give it up for my boys. (laughs) What I want you to understand is, you got to be careful who you hang with. You cannot reach everybody. Let me tell you how you make a difference. You reach one, right? Then you reach another one. Then you reach another one. Then you reach another one. And four of you can go get two. Ten of you can go get four. Fifteen of you can go get ten. But one can't go get five. Does that make sense? You got to be careful who's influencing you in this regard. And you got to make sure you have a strong foundation in your relationships. The first thing you need is somebody that will lift you up. Let me move on because time is of the essence. Time's getting away from it. Second thing that you need. Listen to this. Remember when Paul was in a tight spot in Damascus and they had to let him out in a basket because they wanted to kill him? You need somebody, this is the number two person, that will let you out of a tight spot. Now imagine these guys holding on to this rope over the edge. Can't you imagine the tension in that? The rope burn in that? How they're le- and, and he is literally, his life is being spared because they're letting him out of a tight spot. Now let me let me tell you why you need somebody that's gonna let you out of a tight spot. It's because you're gonna do dumb stuff. I appreciate that, author, because you know what I do dumb stuff. Like even today, Sister Gina. Well, maybe not today, praise God. But I'm like, man, just in this season, I'm like, now why in the world did I do that? That was dumb. You're gonna do dumb stuff. When I first received the Spirit, let me tell you a quick story. I received the Spirit. I hadn't been living for the Holy, uh, living for the Lord for like more than six months. And I had been trying to get a job at a bank because this community bank, if I got in, they paid for my tuition. And I tried to get into marketing. And so I went in and I applied and I talked with the uh, HR person. Her name was Tammy McGee. And I had a good interview and Tammy called me back. She was like, Akil, you didn't get that job, but we've got the perfect job for you. And I was like, oh, great. What is that job, Tammy? And she was like a security guard. I was like, how do we go from marketing to security guard? Because I ain't chasing nobody down for nothing that's mine, not mine. If they come to the bank talking about something, they got guns and they want the money, I'm going to say, you can take the keys to the safe, bro, and go get what you need. I'll put it in the car for you. But I'm not laying my life down for nothing that's not mine. So, and on top of that, made it worse, I couldn't even carry a gun, brother Reed. They gave this man some mace. (laughs) Like, what's a mace going to do? I was like, Lord have mercy. But anyway, I took the job because I wanted that tuition reimbursement. So because that struggle was real, praise the Lord. So I took the job, and I remember just moping around in my little black uh, sports coat and gray slacks with my mace. (laughs) Boy, don't make me use this mace. I'll put this mace all over. Anyway. So, you know what? Here I'm walking around, and, and my dad was like, son, you know, you got to just take advantage of the opportunity. I was at the corporate office and just making sure everybody was safe. He was like, you're walking around. You get a chance to connect with everybody. You're not tied to an office. Why don't you spend a lot of time with the executives and the leadership team and talk to them, get to know their families? And I was like, man, you know what? That's not a bad idea. So, I just started hanging out on the second floor and third floor and talking to everybody. I'd stick my head in the CEO's office, Lewis Miller, and I'd stick my head in Debbie Brooks' office. And I'd go down the list. I'm just talking to them all, and Spence Hamilton. I'd just keep on going. And how's the family? And then one day, eventually, uh, Linda Eakins looks at me, and she was an higher up in marketing. She's like, Akil, what are you doing being a security guard? And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to use my mace yet. And if you don't, you better get me, I'm about to mace somebody. Somebody about to get mace if y'all don't put me in marketing. And so she said, you know what, why don't you take a role in marketing? And I was like, now we are talking. So I take this role, and I'm really excited. Well, I'm working with this guy in security. His name was Wade. And uh, uh, I, because I was in security, I could park on uh, P5. Now, P5 was where all the executives parked. And P5 cost $95 a month to park. It's like back in the day, too, okay? I mean, it's like mid-90s, so it's expensive. And uh, Wade was like, well, look, you don't got to tell nobody. You just hold on to that card, right? And then you won't have to walk nine blocks to pay for the parking you can afford. Because, like, I could only afford, like, $18 a month. And, and it was, like, nine blocks uphill. So I was like, oh, man, the whole time. The Holy Ghost is like, don't you do it, 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 don't you do it. And I was like, $95 a month. Holy Ghost, don't you do it, don't you do it, don't you do it. And I was like, but $95 a month. Don't you do it, don't you do it, don't you do it. And what do you think I did? Just dumb. I did it. And so I'm just doing it too. And like, you know, at first, when you know when you're doing wrong. You like people talk to you know you just be walking around like they're looking at me like I'm (laughs) busting. The guilt, the shame would just wear me out. I was like, it's over, it's over. Somebody, somebody, I'm like, huh? Anyway, so one day, won't you know it? I get caught. My old boss comes in, like I was just working uh, on the sixth floor, seventh floor. I remember Dan Carroll. He came in. He was hot. I was like, oh man. I was like, what's going on? He walked in Linda's office and then said something. He came to me. He was like, I'm gonna get you fired. I was like, what? What? Dan, he was like, because I know you're stealing, you're stealing your this parking, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Yes, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know, you know, anything. I was just like, oh, forgive me, Dan. I'm a Christian. He was like, You are? Didn't even realize here I am bringing shame unto my Lord. And I'm God's trying to do a work in my life. And I'm making this dumb mistake. And he's like, man, I don't want to hear any of that. You're done. So I was like, oh, gosh, I've worked so hard to get to this opportunity. And God, you blessed me with this. And you told me not to do it, and I did it anyway. I'm like, I'm done. I'm toast. And you know what happened? He's like, he goes in Linda's office, and they're talking, and the door's open. You know, when you're an executive, you have a really big office. It's in the corner, and it's usually a whole bunch of glass and stuff. And she was sitting, and they were talking. It was kind of getting loud. I was like, Oh, you know how you're listening, but you're trying not to listen, you know. And I was like, what's going on? So next thing you know, I heard her say, Dan. She said, Dan. She got up. She looked, slammed that door. The blinds were closing. I was like, oh, my gosh. She was like, he's a kid who made a dumb mistake. I'm not going to fire him over a dumb mistake. So you know what? She, she came out of the office. Dan walked out hot. Hot. He was just like this. And she was like, Akil, get in here! And I was like, oh. No. She's like, what are you thinking? I was like, I She was like, I know, you idiot! But she's like, you know what? I'm not going to fire you. I believe in you too much. Can I tell you? in particular our young people, they're going to make mistakes. But the last thing we need to do when they make a mistake is to beat them up. What we need to tell them is it ain't over until God says it's over. I know you made a dumb mistake, and guess what? I make dumb mistakes too, and God is still using me, and God will still use you. What you need to tell them is he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. What you need to tell them is he is able. What you need to tell them is, Calvary is bigger and greater than any mistake you'll ever make. You need somebody in your life that will let you out of a tight spot. And we need people in our lives that will let us out. You're going to do dumb things. I pray God gives you people in your life that will let you out of a tight spot. Third person you need, I'm hurrying. You need somebody that will let you in. I mentioned it earlier, Barnabas did this to Saul. This is really important. You gotta understand, it's fascinating. If you study the life of Paul, like there are a half a dozen instances that quickly come to mind. He would not be the man he was if it weren't for people in his life. The man would the man would have never had this interaction with the the disciples if it weren't for Barnabas. You need somebody that will let you in. And I'm not talking about politicking, but you know what? I didn't grow up in this, and so I can remember watching Because of the Time Tapes, because I go over from Bible study at the Evans's house, and we'd have Taco Ring. After Taco Ring, they put in a Because of the Times. And I'm just looking at all these people, these great preachers. I'm like, oh, man, this is amazing. Look at Brother Hershon. And I'm just hearing these stories. And so I was like, maybe one day I'll meet Brother Herschel. Uh, so I remember my pastor, he was a youth president, and we had a youth congress. And it wasn't 25,000 people, 40,000, whatever it is. It's an insane amount. Praise God for what he's doing. It was more like 8 to 10 back then, right? Um, uh, and so I can remember, uh, Pastor Thompson was like, uh, Keel, you, you want to meet Brother Urshan? I was like, oh, God. and he was like, you know, Brother Urshan was just, praise God, give me a little choked up thinking about the memory. Brother Urshan was just over there sitting, and uh, so I saw Pastor Thompson go over there, and he was talking to him, and they were just connecting, smiling, laughing, and hugging, and then Pastor Thompson was like, Keel, coming, I was like, oh, Okay. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And so I was like, uh, uh, he was like, Brother Urshan, this is uh, Brother Akil, and you know he's in my church, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, 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 I didn't have nothing to say, right? And so uh, the conversation wasn't going well. Eventually, Pastor Thompson, he, he understood all that. He was like, well, um, you know, thank you for spending time with him, Brother Urshan. Would you be willing to pray for him? And I was like, he was like, sure. And I was like. Honestly, I know I'm not. I know I know he was like a hero and an icon, but it, it wasn't. It, it really was spiritual. I've never had somebody lay hands on me like just touch me, and like I really feel like instantly. I I know I wasn't all of the man, but I wasn't like you know like floating in the third heaven. I, literally, when that man touched me and prayed for me, I felt the power of God like I never felt it before in my life. It was like pow. I, I was I just, tears just bursting out. It was so wild. And then you know what? I got to keep his comb. Praise God. He had a little cheap, little 99 cent comb that he just fell out of his pocket. I just kept that comb. I didn't need it. Praise God. in your life that will let you in. And let me just say this too. You know what? We better be quick to let other people in. We don't have time for silos and we don't have time for clicks. We don't have time for schisms and isms. We better let everybody in. The problem with this is we like to create obstacles for people because we ourselves, remember when Jesus is in there healing people or he's having this conversation I should say and the house is packed. House is so packed. That the people that need to get in can't get in. And nobody knows they need to get in because they got their back turned to them. They're making it difficult for the people that need to get to Jesus. Thank the Lord. People had enough determination to go up to climb on the roof to get to them. But we don't need to create those kind of obstacles. What we need to do is let everybody in. We need to let everybody in. Fourth thing you need. I'm moving quickly. Fourth person you need in your life is somebody that will level you out. Somebody that will level you out. I'm talking about an accountability partner. Now, there's this new term called like an account of buddy or something like that. I ain't talking about no no of buddy. I ain't talking about nobody that's your friend. That's fine. That's good. Let me tell you where your friend, what's your name, bro? Zach? All right, Zach. You say, I appreciate the way you said that, man. Zach. That's what I'm talking about. So, Zach, if I'm like, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And pray. I just want you to hit me up and just, you know, touch base with him periodically. Uh, man, ask me if I'm praying. That's cool. You know what? That's, that's, that's my boy. You know, Zach's going to, we're going to pray in the morning and he's going to make sure I'm praying. That's great. But you need somebody in your life that's going to ask you tough questions. You need somebody in your life that's going to ask you tough questions. Let me just tell you right now, if you don't have somebody asking you tough questions, I can already tell you your inner world is not in order. Because, you know, this is, well, well, I'm not going to get into all that right now. That'll open up another can of worms. You need people that will hold you accountable. Let me tell you, I have two men in my life right now. Really, three, uh, because I'm still under the pastorate of Anthony Ballastaro. These men, Anthony Ballastaro, Mike East, Doug White, they ask me anything, I'll tell them. Matter of fact, they'll ask me, how you doing, son, with your finances? How's your relationship with your wife? When's the last time you took her out on a date? How are things going with your kids? Are you praying? I can remember one time I was so hot. You know what? You need people to tell you to do the right thing, even when you know you're right, but you being right is the wrong thing. Like I had somebody that was acting up on our staff, and I was like, I'm right. They're accusing me of stuff. I'm right. Prophet East was like, I want you to go out and buy them uh, them some gift cards and buy them some flowers. I was like, wait a second. I'm right. They're wrong. He was like, I want you to shut up and do what I'm telling you to do. And then I was like, Oh, God, I'm just. And then the Holy Ghost gets in, I'm weeping, I'm broken, and you know what? I do it. And they ain't even receiving then. When I gave them to the person, they were like, mm. So I told Prophet East, I was like, I'm going to get him now. He's like, No, no, no. What you going to do is you're going to go out and buy them another gift card. And you're going to. I was like, <laughs> You need people, though, that will hold you accountable to do the right thing. And that's what he did, and God restored a relationship. You know what? I can remember. So I told him, I said, man, you know what, prophet? I said, man, I used to, used to be a time where I would just, you pick me up from the hotel, brother. Howell, you pick me up. Man, I have tears running down my face. I'm snotted up the carpet because I was like, I got to get a word. You know, and I was like, prophet, help me because I'm like, man, now I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, I, not now. But I was just like, man, I was like, yeah, that wouldn't work. And he was like, son, that's not right. He was like, I'm concerned he was like, perhaps your demand is becoming your demise. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go pick up some, some flowers and I want you to go go visit somebody at the assisted living center and you just, you just love on them and you just minister to them and you need to get back out and you know, I was like, oh God, so you know what? I was like, you're right, prophet. I'm like, man, thank you. So I go and I'm getting stuff together. And I remember I went and bought these flowers in this card and I, it's chocolates and all this. And I go to this assistant to retire. I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, um, I'm here to, uh, uh, I just got this gift of flowers. I want to give it to somebody. And uh, she was like, why, are you? she was like, why are you here? I was like, well, she was like, and then she answered a question. She was like, I know why you're here. She was like, the spirit of the Lord sent you. Ladies, I just read my mail. She was like, I want you to go to such and such room. Uh, You're gonna have this conversation with this 99-year-old woman. It's her birthday, and we—I sat down with this lady. We talked for like 45 minutes. Never met this woman before in my life, and I was just able to be a blessing to her. Her family couldn't come in, and it changed my entire world. But what I'm telling you is, you need somebody in your life that holds you accountable, that levels you out, that will tell you you ain't all that, you ain't God's gift to anybody. You need to serve, and you need to love people. You need to—you need somebody that will ask you tough questions, and they will hold you accountable to it look you in the face and say, are you telling me the truth? Or are you trying to scam me? This is going to help you. This is going to help you. And then I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I've been taking, I've took entirely too long. The last person you need, I want our musicians to come. The last person you need in your life It's not somebody that will level you out, not somebody that will lift you up, not somebody that will let you in. And not somebody that will let you out of a tight spot. The last person you need in your life is somebody you can lean on and call on. 2 Timothy 4 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas, he's forsaken me. Having loved this present world. And has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. That's a whole other story. <laughs> and Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. The only way for you to get these people in your life is to be this kind of person to others. But I want you to understand. You're going to have times in your life where you don't need people to criticize or to critique you. You don't need people to reveal blind spots. You don't need people to lift you out of tight spots. What you need is somebody that you can simply lean on. Somebody that will listen to you. Somebody that will embrace you. Somebody that won't judge you. Somebody that will care for you. I've had people receive a text message tonight somebody who's incredibly dear to me, and you can start playing when you're ready. Um, I've had people, uh, one guy in particular, and it's not to get into it, and I won't share too much, but bottom line is he he was up and coming and just made a dumb mistake. That dumb mistake doesn't change how I feel about him. He's still my friend. Did it change the trajectory of his ministry? Yeah. Did it rock his world and his family's world? Yeah. Do I still love him and care for him deeply? Absolutely. See, the difference is we are so enamored with performance that we base our relationships upon performance. You do for me, hey, I'll do for you. But what's different about Jesus Christ is We are somebody to Him. And we can do nothing for Him. He loved us when we were unlovable. He came to us when we were running from Him. The Bible says that the light came to darkness and darkness comprehended it not. He came to us. You know why He came to us? It's because we mean something to Him. And do you know why we ought to run to one another? It's because we mean something to one another. Not because of what my dude can do for me. It's just like this. I tell people this kind of story. You know what? My brother is a knucklehead, backslidden. I want him to be living for Jesus Christ. Seems like he, you know, that's my dude. That's my dude. But you know what? Uh, I can talk about my brother. And when I talk about my brother, you can kind of nod your head. And you my boy. You can And you can even mildly agree with me. But don't take it too far. Because if you say something crazy like, I can't believe, well, hold up. That's my brother. That's my family. And you don't talk about my family. I might call them knuckleheads, but you better keep your mouth shut. What we need to understand is we mean something to one another because of who we are. We don't talk about one another. We love one another. We don't, sir, we don't talk about one another. We forgive one another. We don't hate on one. Ain't no haters in this thing right here. We ain't doing nothing but loving one another, encouraging one another, building one another up. Can somebody say Amen. amen. I'm going to tell you a true story because in this Christian life, what you'll understand is there are no Lone Rangers, at least not for very long. This is a true story, and I'll close. And you know what? I'm going to get you guys to move this, uh, this pulpit so that way we've got, uh, we've got room. I'm sorry about that. I'll, I'll tell you this true story. Earl C. Willer tells the story of two men who grew up to be best friends. Everybody can stand, please. Though Jim was just a little older than Philip and often assumed the role of leader, they did everything together. They went to high school and college together. After college, they decided to join the Marines. And by a unique series of circumstances, they were sent to Germany together, where they fought side by side in one of history's ugliest wars. One sweltering day during a fierce battle amid heavy gunfire, bombing in close quarters combat, they were given the command to retreat. As the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip had not returned with the others. Panic gripped his heart. Jim knew if Philip was not back in another minute or two, he wouldn't make it. Jim begged his commanding officer to let him go after his friend. But the officer forbade the request, saying it would be suicide. Risking his own life, you know what Jim did? He disobeyed everything and went after Philip, his heart pounding in his chest, running into gunfire, screaming at the top of his lungs, Philip! 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 A short time later, his platoon saw Jim hobbling across the field carrying a limp body in his arms. Jim's commanding officer braided him, shouting, that was a foolish waste of time. An outrageous risk. Your friend is dead. There's nothing you could do about it, Jim. Jim looked at his officer after he was chastised. He said, no, sir, you're wrong. I got there just in time. Before Philip died, his last words were, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. And tonight, what I feel like is so important, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. She Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. The Lord is just unfolding this before my very eyes. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come. Pastors, pastors, wives, elders, youth committee team. Would you all come and stand all throughout this altar here? Just kind of length out so that way people can get to you. Come quickly if you don't mind. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pastors, elders, youth workers, come help us here. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say this real quick. Two things are really important. One, I feel the Holy Ghost. You are safe. The Bible is clear. Perfect love casts out fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. Two, you see these people up here? I'm talking to young and old folks. They love you. They love you. They care for you. And I know you might think you're pulling the wool over their eyes. And you might think they ain't got no idea. I'm struggling or I'm hurting on the inside. Suffocating silently. They have an idea. As a matter of fact, they've been waiting for a moment like this. Where you're getting ready to come to them. And in brokenness, make a confession. And you know what? They're not going to judge you. They're not going to beat you up. They're going to hug you. Some of you are going to confess some things. Can I tell you? You know what? Whew, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be transparent with you. and I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I feel the Holy Ghost. This is why. It, it was, I don't remember when it was, 1998, 99. I had been living for the Lord for a couple of years. Everybody thought I was a fireball, and I was. I was trying my best, sister of to just give God everything that I could. God was doing the work in my life, but pornography was in my life. And before that little movie came out where the dude went out and beat up his TV, I did that to my TV because I was like, I'm just done with this foolishness. But even then, I still felt the guilt and the stain. And I, I wanted, I didn't even know what the Bible said about confess your faults one to another. I just knew that you might be healed. I just knew, man, if I tell my pastor, he's going to be so disappointed. And he's going he's to just, I'm done. I'm done. And I was listening to the enemy, but I felt the pull of God. And thank the Lord, I listened to the Lord, and you know what? I took like what felt like like an eternity. It felt like I walked a mile, but it's probably about 25 steps, and I confessed to my pastor what I was dealing with. And at that particular night, I felt such a liberty and freedom and a love of God flow through somebody else where He covered me, because the Bible says love covers. multitude of sin nobody's here to put you on blast rather they're here to cover you so tonight is a night of healing tomorrow will be a night of physical healing miraculous but tonight is a night of emotional healing spiritual healing every head is bowed every eye is closed this altar team is here ready to receive you i feel a holy ghost you know what i'm not here to complicate this i'm here to make this really simple there's somebody that's dealing with things that they want to get off their chest or perhaps you want to confess or perhaps you want to say, man of God, woman of God, would you pray for me? I've been struggling with this or that. It could be it could be an elder right here, but I'm telling you, God is going to liberate you and give you inner peace. You are going to sleep like a baby tonight because of what happens here in just a moment. I want you to know this altar is open. I'm invited.